Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast with Rob Schellenberger. I'm your host, Jamie, and you're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you transform your life and achieve results that otherwise would have seemed difficult or even impossible. Each episode is a mini training where you'll learn how to achieve extraordinary success. Rob is a best-selling author, former F-16 fighter pilot, Air Force One advanced agent, world-renowned keynote speaker and corporate trainer who's trained Fortune 500 companies around the world, executive coach, father of four children, and the CEO of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership, Mr. Rob Schellenberger. All right, welcome to our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you might be in the world today. Hey, we're excited to have you with us. Uh, we have a special guest for you today. He's a, an incredible person. I had the chance to meet Jeff a few weeks ago. He came down to our office, uh, and that was after talking with him on the phone and listening to his story. And I thought, you know, there's a lot of people out there who would really benefit from listening to Jeff and hearing his story. So we're excited to have Jeff on here. Jeff, how's your day going? Tell us a little bit about you, and then, and then we'll jump into this. Oh, uh, my day's going great, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Uh, this, is a, this is a great privilege for me. I really love what you guys uh, stand for, being your best. And, um, and so thank you for, first of all, thanks for letting uh, me have a chance to, to sit down and, and uh, talk with you and have a great conversation. Well, you're welcome. It's an honor to have you here. And, and first of all, it's really helpful just to build a rapport with our listeners so they know who you are and a little about you. So if you don't mind, uh, really, Jeff, I mean, part of what intrigued me so much about you was your story and your background. So do you mind just sharing that with our listeners, you know, bring them up to speed on your background, your story, and how you've gotten to where you are today? Oh, absolutely. Um, ever since I was a little kid, my dream was to play football at the college level. And I remember telling my friends one time, hey, I, I'm going to go play football in college. And uh, they, they turned to me and, and they say that word that most of us hear all the time. Um, I think John Asraf, if that's how you would pronounce his name, he, he mentioned that by the time you're 17 years old, you've heard that phrase, I can't, 150,000 times. And uh, what was interesting is, you know, I told my friends that I thought I could confide in that I was going to go play, that I wanted to go play some football in college. And. And they turned to me like, Griff, you can't do that. You're too slow. You're too uh, short. You're too white. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and um, so when I got a, a letter from Lavelle Edwards inviting me to come down to BYU, I was excited. I was stoked. And I talked to Lavelle Edwards, Coach Pella, decided that the best option for me would be going up to Rick's College and playing there first. Which is in and Idaho, I got up, right? What's that? Which is in Idaho for our listeners, right? Yes, yes. Uh, in fact, it's BYU-Idaho now. It's Rexburg, Idaho. Uh, some people call it Iceberg. But um, um, had an opportunity and a chance to uh, to go up there, learn very quickly that I was not the big fish in the small pond anymore. And um, there were great players that were at Rick's College. Ben Cahoon, Aaron Roderick, to name a few, were there at the time I was there. And um, anyway, I, I experienced two collegiate plays to what it would be like to be on the either first team offensive team. And, and I was so excited about that. And I was ready to come back the next year, went home and I don't care what they tell you. They don't pay enough money to play football in college. And so I had to make some money. And so my, my dad taught me how to paint, not pictures, but houses. 
And so I started my own business and business was booming. Things were great. And I got a call from Napoleon Dynamite Country to come up and do a bid on a barn. And $3,000 later and three days later, $3,000 richer, I'd be able to have enough money to go back to college and, and fulfill that dream. And, um, and, and fate hit, if you, you know, if you, if you believe in fate. But um, that morning when I went up there to begin the construction site, I um, got there, put up some scaffolding, was up 40 feet up um, in the air on a 30-foot ladder with some scaffolding there and lifted my arm above my head to begin. And that infamous feeling that we've all felt, that the, the ladder slid on, out from underneath me. The scaffolding came crumbling to the ground, and I fell. I fell 40 feet, landed on my feet perfect, stuck the landing perfect if I was a gymnast, but I wasn't. I was a painter at the time, and it caused my legs to come up, my back to come down, and my L1 vertebrae shattered, and uh, leaving me paralyzed from the waist down. And it changed my life. It changed my life at that point. And, and as I was lying there in the ground, trying to move but, but unable to grab my leg to alleviate the pain. My hand could feel my leg, but my legs could not feel my hand. And just my world was just was just spinning at that time. And my thought at that time was, now what? What do I do? Hmm. So, you know, the doctors finally made the hospital that gave me news. I write about it in my book where it feels like, it was a heavyweight boxing match and the knockout punch came and the doctor told me, confirm the news, confirm my fears that I would be paralyzed from the waist down. I'd never move. I'd never walk. And uh, he gave me a life sentence of living life in a wheelchair. And my world just started to spin with that news. And so I had a choice to make. I could either stay down or get back up and dream new dreams. And, uh, and that's what I've decided to do is to dream new dreams. And it's, and it's been a wonderful journey so far. Yeah. Thanks for that background story. And I wish, uh, I wish people could see you and meet you. And so if you can visualize Jeff, a uh, handsome strapping guy and what, are you in your mid forties? I, I am. If we're, uh, you know, if we're divulging things, I'm in my mid-40s at the age of 22 that happened. And so I've been in a wheelchair. This summer, I'll be in a wheelchair as long as I've lived my life out of it. Huh. And that man can move around in a wheelchair, I'll tell you. <laughs> he came to our office, was working ways through gravel over uh, and up and around different things. So he's pretty impressive with that. Well, you know, and what's amazing about that story, Jeff, is just how quickly life can change for any one of us. And as you've traveled around, and as I've traveled around, as our listeners think about their friends and family, we all have people who we know, if we haven't experienced it ourselves, whose life changed in an instant. And if, if we just reflect on the 12 principles of highly successful leaders, the 12th and maybe potentially one of the most powerful is never give up. And you just talked about it. You know, you had this choice. The doctor gave you what would be potentially maybe a – call it a death sentence. said you're never going to walk again. And then you're pretty still with a choice. What do we do? Do we believe them you know, and succumb to life, or do we go from there? What you didn't tell them, 
our listeners is what happened after that. So maybe can you expound on what happened in part two of your life? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, um, you know, one thing that I would share with your listeners is, uh, you know, when people hear me speak and, and they and get to know me, they think that I that I just have this natural disposition of being this this positive person. And uh, what's interesting is there there was a moment, a very, very distinct moment in the hospital where I, um, I, I call it entering the sauna of self-pity. And, and I recall that day as clear as it as if it happened just yesterday. And I remember getting the news. I remember after surgery, going to therapy, um, you know, it take me 30 minutes to get from my bed into my wheelchair um, with the help of some nurses. It, it took me an hour to dress myself. Everything was just slow motion. It was just so discouraging. And I wasn't this strong, strapping young man that I, that I was on the football field. And like you said, my life just turned upside down. And and I thought, I, and up until that moment, I had a pretty good disposition. I had a pretty good attitude, but it just hit me. It got to me, it wore on me. And I remember the nurse getting me out of my bed. And the only way for me to eat was to get out of my bed, right? So I went through the, the ritual, got on my bed, headed down to the cafeteria, and I was pushing down the hallway and just, the weight of the world was on top of me. Started feeling sorry for myself. By the time I got to the cafeteria, I was crying. You know, tears were rolling down my face. I, I, I got the tray, put it on my lap, got the food. I wanted to be away from everybody. And so I went the furthest I could. And I put my tray, which happened to be right across um, from a patient who happened to be an inmate from the prison who had an aneurysm while lifting weights and had a stroke, couldn't speak, couldn't move. So he was there in, in for therapy. And I'm just crying and, uh, and having this, this self-pity of a moment, this pity party at the time. And, and the guy in his slurred speech says, what's wrong, dude? Why are you crying? And I'm like, what? And, and he's like, what's wrong, dude? Why are you crying? And that moment, it just snapped me out of that uh, that sauna of self-pity. And I realized, why am I crying? And it snapped me out of looking inside at my problems. And I looked around and I noticed, you know, here's a guy who who, who can barely talk, who can't even lift his, his left arm. I looked at another patient who was a quadriplegic and had to be fed by somebody else. And I, I noticed uh, these these other patients who had it worse off than I did. And it just, it just snapped. It just snapped me out of that, uh, that, that pity party. And I realized, you know what? Life can be great. Life can be fantastic. And, uh, and, and I've stayed away from that, uh, that sauna of self-pity and have, you know, reminded myself that you got to have a good attitude. And when you mentioned to never give up, when times get tough and difficult, you've got to adjust your attitude. And I really believe that you're, uh, your altitude is determined by your attitude. And, uh, and so I, you know, I, I wear a bracelet that says I'm possible and don't quit capital D O capital I T at the, uh, the front and back ends of that statement. And, and occasionally I have to adjust my attitude. I reach down there and I'll snap that rubber band to remind me, you know what? Don't give up. It's not that bad. Just take the next step forward and things are going to be okay. And, um, Speaking of taking the next step, 
the doctors, you know, they gave me that life sentence. You'll never move your legs again. You'll never walk again. And uh, once I could get past feeling sorry for myself and looking for the good in things, I was able to then decide for myself what I wanted from this experience. And, and I told myself that I was going to walk again. And it's been 22 years. I wouldn't call it walking yet, but I can move forward uprightly. And in fact, just the other day, I was on the elliptical bike and I went five miles on that from where I couldn't even get out of my bed into the wheelchair without the help of a nurse. Yeah, that's a fascinating story. And what so impressed me about Jeff is I watched him do this. I watched him get out of his wheelchair, get into his truck, throw the wheelchair into the back of the truck. <laughs> and what I love this is he had a choice. He had a choice to believe the doctor who said it can't be done. And yet over the course of – and really this is what is impactful to me this. It wasn't weeks and months. It's been years. Over the course of years, you said I refuse to believe that. And you established a vision. You went after the vision. And even though progress may not happen fast, it's happening. And you're influencing all kinds of people as a result of that. So you've been through this incredible experience, Jeff. I mean, what you just described there, you know, now have been 20 plus years in the wheelchair and you've met with groups, you've inspired them. Along the way, how would you succinctly summarize two or three of your biggest lessons learned in that process? Oh, the, big, the biggest lessons learned. Um, I learned a couple things. Um, I learned, you know, when I was in football, this was pre-accident, right? Um, I learned that, you know, the two plays I mentioned that I was able to get onto the field. And I think that's important. I think a lot of us are just happy and content just to have a jury, just to be on the team and, and, and be on the sideline. While others are content to be up in the stands, if we can use that metaphor of, of playing football, you got spectators and you've got players who are on the sideline who aren't really playing. Then you got those who are on the field and they're experiencing life. And um, I, I learned a couple. I, I learned one thing, one powerful thing in that moment when the captains of the team, the leaders of the team, when we were destroying um, the University of New Mexico uh, Academy, the coaches went up and down and said, if you want to get in, let your coach know. And, and I went to my coach. He was the head coach at the time. I said, coach, put me in. He looked at me. He's like, no. And so I'm thinking to myself, I must be the scrub of all scrubs, the bottom of the scrub barrel. And, uh, and so I, but I was there excited to see my, my teammates who weren't able to get in, get in the game. And then I, I, I remember the moment when the captains, they could have just sat back and relaxed and, and done nothing right after they, they, they did their jobs. But they didn't do that. They went up and down the sideline and made sure their teammates got in the game. And um, Ben Cahoon came up to me and said, like, uh, Griff, do you want to play? And I'm like, absolutely. But coach, like, don't worry about coach. Just go in there. And I, and I went in there. My fan club goes crazy up there in the, uh, in the stands, my two roommates. And, and I go out there and I'm holding hands. I'm in the huddle. I'm, I'm breathing in, you know, the, the crisp fall air and, and the fresh cut grass. And we break the huddle, and I go out there, and, and, and I run a play, a play that I've been practicing hundreds and hundreds of times. And, and I remember that those captains demonstrated leadership at that moment. And I, and I learned for myself that every great man and woman of history is a man of service. And that was, that was the greatest 
one of the greatest lessons I learned before my before my accident, and it kind of spilled over once I got into my wheelchair. It's just like this idea of getting in the game of life and playing. After my after my wheelchair, after my accident, excuse me, um, I was afraid to do things that I normally did before. I was afraid before, but for example, one example was to to go to dances and ask girls out on dates. Right? I'm like, oh man, how am I going to do this from a wheelchair? I had a hard time doing it on my feet, right? And I remember a a dance was was being held up at Utah State. My friends convinced me to go. And I go rolling in there, and it seemed like the, the music just stopped. People turned and stared at me. I wanted to turn around and roll away. And you know how you get that pushback when you try new things? And Can I just pause right there? It, what, what's yeah. probably interesting about that experience is that was probably an internal perception. You know what I mean? It's like we, oh, we, yeah. we feel like people, the world stopped. Everyone's looking at us. But in reality, people weren't even phased by it, but just – it's it's our own internal perception sometimes that it becomes so powerful. You're you're absolutely right, and and, and it's those demons inside our heads, those those bullies that uh, that we've got to push out and 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 uh, you know get them out of our minds because really we are our worst own enemies, and and I believe it's because we choose to listen to to everyone else's negativity, and then we then we uh, tend to. You know, beat ourselves up, and then it's just a reciprocal cycle that just keeps on killing us. And you're absolutely right. I I, I went rolling in there, perceiving that, and um, it, and after a few minutes, a few moments, you know, I started to feel the music. I started to feel the beat. It was it was you know, it was going through the wheelchair. It was going through the metal, and it was vibrating into my body. And I was just enjoying it and loved it. And um, I remember my, my friends convincing me to go ask a girl to dance i'm like okay like we're right behind you and so i go rolling up to the, this girl and i turn around and they're gone they're not even they're nowhere to be you know seen and so i'm like great wingman appreciate that but i but i couldn't back out now i couldn't uh, back away turn around and so i went up there asked her and we went out there and danced and and um just this idea of get out on the dance floor of life and experience the music. So many of us die with the music inside of us without, you know, without doing and sharing and experiencing what we have the capacity and talent to do. Hmm. Those are just great analogies. And I'm just thinking uh, of the times in our lives when I met people and experienced it myself, we've all gone through times or phases where, you know, you just don't, Feel full of energy and full of life. It's just one of those maybe slightly more lull type areas. What's interesting about what you described in both examples is one of the quickest ways out of that I've learned is to shift our mindset of service out towards other people. The more inward focused we get, the easier it is to get stuck in a rut, to have pity for ourselves. Like you, you know, you mentioned a pity party, and I've just found that the times in my life where I found myself in a rut were the same times that I was focused on me. In other words, what about this? What if I did this? Well, how come this is happening? And as soon as I turned the equation outwards towards others of, you know, how can I serve other people? What if I did this for so-and-so? So I'm just thinking about the captains on your football team. Like you said, they could have sat on the sideline. They didn't have to walk up and down, yet they did. And here it's impacted your life years later. 
you didn't have to go to the dance. Your friends didn't have to go with you to the dance. And it was when we start stepping out and, and doing things for others and stepping out of our comfort zone that oftentimes those feelings start to fade away. I mean, it's just, it's a powerful thing. And it's, it's hard as I look back to find a time in my life when I was really down when I was serving others. And that's what I was thinking about as you were telling your story there is what are we doing to lift others, to inspire others, to shift our mindset out away from us to lift others. So it's a little bit related, but that's what uh, it sparked in my mind as you were telling that story there. So let me ask you this. You've been through this experience. A lot of people would consider it, you know, a life changer, which it certainly was. What's been one of the blessings that came from this accident, if you could find one? As you look back and say, you know, I would have never anticipated learning this or, or whatever it was. What's been a blessing that's come from this experience, if you had to identify one? Oh, that's a great question. That is a great question, and, and there's such a big bag full of, of positive experiences since it's happened. And what's interesting is, you know, you got this paradox, this paradox law, right, where the temperature for freezing is 32 degrees, and the temperature for melting is 32 degrees. And it's just a matter of perspective. It's a matter of which direction you're looking. And uh, what I find interesting is there's some people like, you know, they have the, the glass analogy where the water is 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 half halfway in the uh, the glass and they ask is it half full or half empty and i like to look at it as it's completely full you know you got half water half air um but it's completely full but um one of, one of the greatest things i think ha that has blessed me the most out of this experience is to be more empathetic and to see things differently you know i sit you know I, i'm the only person that's like four seven and six two at the same time <laughs> When I get out of my when I get out of my wheelchair, I, I you know I'm standing six uh, six foot two uh, tall, and then when I sit down in my chair, I'm four seven, and so I see things differently, figuratively and literally, and um, it's helped me to have a little bit more empathy and 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 to really look past what might be obvious and try to go a little bit deeper. And to find out what the root cause is, but at the same time, give people motivation that that if I can do it, you can do it, right? Uh, I, I I'm not that special of a person, you know. I'm just an ordinary person that consistently does certain things, and because of that consistent consistency, extraordinary things come about. And and I really do believe that if I can do it. Anyone can do it, and it's really blessed me to be able to see things um, in, a, in a different aspect. Isn't that one of the hallmarks of a great leader, though? And that is that they take something that appears to be ordinary, and they do it in an extraordinary way. And not only that, but they inspire others to do their best, to be their best, whether it's our children, whether it's employees, coworkers, neighbors, friends, whoever it might be. Is To me, that's one of the hallmarks of a great leader is yeah. they can take something that appears to be ordinary, they do it in an extraordinary way, and inspire others around them to lift and raise themselves and to think about what their best looks like and how they can achieve that. And, and that's great. Well, can you go back one more time before we wrap up and explain again, you handed me a copy of your book, which I'm going to give to my son and daughter to read. Can you explain again the metaphor that you use of the word impossible? Yeah. My book is I'm Possible, and uh, there's an apostrophe there. It looks like the word impossible. 
And just this idea of the word I can't is used all the time. I can't, I can't, it's impossible, I can't. What I find interesting is um, there's a great line in Princess Bride where they're coming out of the swamps. Um, I, don't, I don't remember what the swamp name is, but uh, uh, Wesley says to his beloved uh, sweetheart, she says, no one comes out of the swamp. And uh, he says, never say never because no one ever has. Meaning that we think that it's impossible because it's never been done before. The, 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 the four mile, the four minute mile was thought to be impossible to, uh, to run. And now high schoolers are running the four minute mile. Mount Everest was thought to be impossible to climb. And, and, um, and for 30 years, they were they were correct. The experts were correct, and the critics were correct. Um, during Madame Curie's time, they thought the periodical table was completely finished. There was no more elements to be found, and she found two, Madame Curie. And because of hers, we, we have the X-ray machine. And so, just this idea of of impossible. Um, and, and I love the adage from Ralph Waldo Emerson when he says, "That which we persist in doing." Becomes easier for us to do, period, and uh, and I believe that to be true. If we consistently and persistently try to improve and progress, we are going to accomplish the impossible, and we're going to get past those barriers that have never been crossed before, and and it requires vision requires faith. Uh, you know, I, I describe faith as reaching out to the future and bringing it back to the present and, uh, and then implementing that. And, and so this book, the book I'm possible love to give to your, uh, your listeners a free book. All they have to do is, is cover shipping and handling. But if they go to my website at griffinmotivation.com um, and sign up for the, for the book, I'll send you out one for free just simply cover shipping and handling and uh and you can read some um some other events that took place that uh, were life-changing and um you can you can find out where i came from where i got to and and uh, and hopefully it'll inspire you to help you go to where you want to go to yeah. achieve the dreams that you want to achieve yeah that's that's what i'm very passionate about is to help people get up get out and get going and uh and i appreciate this opportunity to, to speak with you rob great things that you're doing oh well thank you jeff and it's griffinmotivation.com right yes correct so griffinmotivation.com uh he'll send you a free copy of his books all you need to do is cover the shipping and handling which is probably just minimal uh and everyone should get that i'm going to read it i'm going to have my kids read it it's one of the things that we do and one of the things that I enjoy uh, is to end our podcast with an invitation. And it's something I'm going to make sure I'm going to do more consistently so that it's a call to action for each of us this week. And building on this idea of impossible, for each person listening, it may mean something different. So for some people, maybe it is a huge dream, you know, get become one of the first people on a manned mission to Mars. Well, <laughs> maybe that's a big dream. For others, maybe it's as simple as stepping outside your comfort zone and taking a friend to lunch because it's something that's so hard for you to do to go out and be in public like that. Everyone has their own barriers, their own things that they consider to be a challenge or to be impossible for them. Uh, for others, it's to enter the sales world. It, there's just so many things out there. I would ask you to consider something that you've considered 
in your life that you've wanted to try, that you've wanted to do. Maybe it's to learn a new sport. You know, maybe it's to run a half marathon. Maybe it's to finally start shifting the eating habits, to set some goals, whatever it might be. Because the only thing that makes them impossible is us. (laughs) And as soon as we start addressing it, what's your vision? What's your plan? And then have the tenacity to never give up. It's no longer impossible. Uh, And that's what, you know, Walt Disney said, I dare or I love doing the impossible. And, and so really the word impossible is, is something that's usually just conjured up in our minds in most cases. So that's yeah. the invitation is for all of our listeners to build mm-hmm. on this idea that Jeff was talking about. Identify something in your life that you've wanted to do, but you found all these reasons maybe not to do up to this point and develop your vision. What does it look like? And set some goals and then go to work and turn it into the possible. So thanks, Jeff. Great thoughts, great mm-hmm. ideas. Uh, hopefully this has been something that people can listen to on their way to work, from work, a uh, quick drive with the family, and uh, had a new idea that you never know. It may be a seed that grows within, some, within someone that really does transform their life. So thanks for being on the show, Jeff. Great friend, amazing person, griffinmotivation.com. And to all of our Becoming Your Best listeners, we appreciate you. We love you. Uh, go out in the world and continue to make a difference in your organizations, in your societies, and especially in your families and your personal life. So have a great day, and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Becoming Your Best podcast. Don't forget you can find more great episodes of the podcast at becomingyourbest.com forward slash podcast, along with great show notes, a full transcript of the episode, and all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Please share your comments and questions with us. We want to hear from you. The best way you can show your appreciation for our podcast is to leave an honest rating and review on iTunes. Now it's time for you to take action and truly start becoming your best. Remember, good, better, best. Never let it rest until the good is better and the better is best. Best.